I speak to you now in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Last week we heard how the Lord Jesus changed water into wine. That manifestation or display of his glory was a sign of what he wants to do in our hearts. He wants to transform us through and through our thoughts, our attitudes, our perspectives, our words, our behaviors, our relationships, every aspect of our lives. He wants to order and make beautiful and holy our confused, dark, and crooked passions. He yearns to mold us into his image and to give us his mind and heart. For all of this, he has given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live within us. This is the theme of the Epiphany season, the showing forth of the glory of God and the transformation his glory brings. It is not stagnant, this glory of glories. It is life-giving. And our Lord and Savior intends for us to be touched by it and healed by it in our deepest part. As we begin our reflection this morning, let's take a minute to understand the context of this morning's gospel, the background to it. Some commentators point out that the two healings recorded in the gospel are the first two of ten. There are ten miracles recorded by St. Matthew in chapters 8 and 9. So this is the beginning of a serious exhibition of miracles by the one who has all authority. And St. Matthew notes that in the healings performed by Jesus, the prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled. Isaiah said, He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. We are shown that Christ's healing power has no limit. In today's gospel, this is one of the messages. We're shown that there's nothing on earth that can withstand him. That should be incredibly hopeful for us because it means, as St. Paul said, that nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He did, after all, not only heal every kind of disease, but he also conquered the forces of death and hell by his own death and resurrection. Well, let's move now into the gospel itself. The healing of the leper with which the gospel begins was the first action of the Lord after his sermon on the mount. Today's gospel tells us that plainly. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him. It was also the first time that Jesus healed a leper. Leprosy was not only a terrible disease, 
It was also regarded as a form of uncleanness in the ancient world. To be declared unclean meant that you were separated from your family and friends, either temporarily or permanently. There was a horrible stigma that went with being a leper, which came from a law recorded in the book of Leviticus. It said, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. In spite of all that, the leper in this morning's gospel came to Jesus and worshipped him and said, If you will, you can make me clean. John Keeble points out that the leper was not questioning Jesus' power, but he was wondering whether Jesus was willing to heal him. Here are the leper's words again. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Maybe it would be helpful to reverse the order of those words. You can make me clean if you will if you want to. The doubt voiced by this man probably stemmed from his belief that he was being punished by God for his sins. He may have wondered if he was worthy of saving. Leprosy causes the skin and flesh to decay. It brings an awful smell with it. Even the vocal cords are affected. So although, although this man seemed to believe that Jesus could heal him, he may have doubted whether he was worth the effort. Of course he was worth the effort. So Jesus said, I will be thou clean. But that was not all. The scripture says that Jesus put forth his hand and touched the man and said, I will be thou clean. Keeble underlined this touch in his sermon. He said this, We know that Jesus did not need to touch the leper in order to heal him, because later in the same gospel, he healed the centurion's servant from a distance. What then was the point? Why did Jesus stretch out his hand and touch that leper? Princess Diana, as you remember, was patron of the leprosy mission. She bucked the traditional view that leprosy was contagious by touching those plagued with it. She said, it has, al it has always been my concern to touch people with leprosy, trying to show in a simple action that they are not reviled nor are we repulsed. In 1993, she visited the Anandaban Hospital for Lepers in Nepal. 
You can see a clip of this visit of hers on YouTube. She went from bed to bed shaking hands and cradling deformed limbs compassionately in her hands. One official later said she didn't wear gloves and she touched patients with her bare hands. She didn't seem to have the fear that many others have. Another one confirmed this by saying, most people come to see the work of the hospital. It's all about the bigger picture. But Diana came to see the patients. It was about the people's stories for her. When she came into the hospital, we expected her to stand by the bed and talk. But she sat on their beds and held their hands. The patients were touched and overwhelmed by her kindness. Why did Princess Diana do this? Because she wanted the patients to know that she saw them as people loved by others. So, what about the Lord Jesus? What was he doing touching that leper? Keeble said, it would be the deepest comfort to the poor man, so weary and heavy laden, not only to hear Jesus' gracious voice, but to feel his loving and powerful hand upon, laid upon him, which in one moment made up for all the sad and painful separation, which from time to time must have gone to his heart ever since he had his leprosy. To combat the separation, the separation from family and friends, to combat the feeling of being unworthy, unloved, unclean, on the one hand, Jesus touched this man to do away with his uncleanness. On the other hand, he touched him on the arm or the shoulder in order to touch him in the deepest part of his soul. The part in us that gets anxious about whether we belong. The part in us that wonders whether everything's going to be okay. The part that needs constant reassurance that we are not alone. In his book entitled In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, Dr. Gabor Mate speaks about this need for emotional connection, this need to be seen and appreciated for who we really are. In fact, he talks about our need to be attuned to be in tune with someone else's emotional states. We all need to feel understood and accepted. That's what he was getting at. Attunement, says Mate, is the real language of love, the conduit by which a pre-verbal child can realize that she or he is loved. Daniel Siegel, a psychiatrist says it this way, our ability to regulate emotional states depends upon the experience of feeling there is a significant person in our life 
who is simultaneously experiencing a similar state of mind. In other words, how we go through the ups and downs of this whole life largely depends on whether we believe that someone significant in our life is experiencing a similar feeling. That they identify and connect and understand us. The need to be accepted and understood, to be in tune with someone who loves us, this is so essential to human beings that, get this, if it is absent when we're babies, our tendency towards addiction increases as we get older. We try to fill that void. This all fits, of course, with what we've heard about a baby's failure to thrive if it's not held and rocked and sung to. Therefore, having considered all of this, maybe we have a better understanding about why Jesus, our great physician, put forth his hand and touched that leper and said to him, I will be thou clean. It's time for the so what question. So, what does all this mean for me and for the church? What is the Lord saying to us? And what is he calling us to do? Well, it's critical for us to hear the Lord speaking to us personally in this gospel. In a certain way, we are all that leper. Every one of us have anxieties about separation. We carry the infections. We are fallen people less than what God created us to be. We're miserable sinners, spiritual lepers. But, but, we too have been touched by the Lord Jesus Christ, not physically, but truly. In our deepest essential part, we have truly been touched by the Lord through his spirit. Hebel says that the Lord's first touch upon us was when we were baptized. Then he washed us and mystically applied his precious blood to take away the stains of our sins. He also adopted us then and made us his own. Think of that in terms of your need to be seen, to be understood to belong. He adopted us and he freed us from the powers of spiritual darkness. And the Lord wants to touch our hearts and minds continually in order to help us and strengthen us. Keeble asked a very honest question that must have taken a fair amount of consideration. He asked this of his congregation about the continual touch. It was kind of a bare-knuckle question. He asked them, how is it? How is it that you do not perceive that the continual touch, the inward touch of our Lord's body in the Holy Eucharist, 
is as necessary as his first touch in holy baptism. He was saying to the people, why do you bring your children to be baptized, but do not come regularly to receive the Holy Communion of Christ's body and blood? We are touched by the Lord's holy word as we read and meditate upon it. We are touched by other Christians in fellowship. We are touched and led by the Holy Spirit in the life of prayer as we lay our thanksgivings and intercessions before our Heavenly Father. But the Lord calls us to his table so that he may touch us, remind us, heal us, strengthen, and refresh us. And so that we may be assured of our forgiveness and salvation through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. He wants to touch us continually in our deepest part by his spirit. What is the Lord calling us to do? He is calling us to experience his transforming glory in Christ through his church. And he's calling us as the church to extend his reach to others who need to be touched by his glory. What do I mean? I mean that he calls us to follow him as Princess Diana did. There are so many ways that we can reach out to others and combat that feeling of worthlessness, fear, anxiety, and loneliness. There are very simple things we can do to say to somebody, I see you and I care about you. A card, a phone call, an email. For years, my mother has made up baskets to cheer people with. Our family has experienced that same loving touch through you. In so many ways, you have encouraged us and helped us. As a congregation, the Lord has brought us into close contact with a new strain of leprosy. The homeless among us. For a variety of reasons, they are separated for their families, from their families. And in many cases, they are considered by our society to be unclean and unworthy. Surely, Jesus wants them to be touched in that deepest part of their souls, touched and healed and reunited with their families and restored with purpose what is our role as the body of Christ in this? Of course, there's no simple answer. And of course, there are safety and security issues. And of course, there's the need for addiction and mental health professional care. But there is also the need for this. As Christians, we have the unique hope and the redeeming grace of Christ to offer. It is a unique hope, and it is the only redeeming grace to offer. The communication of this hope and grace can be as simple or can begin as simply as letting those in our community know that we see them, that we hear them, that we care about them. 
We can pray for them by name. I believe that the answer to the homeless crisis in our city must involve the church and the touch of our Savior Jesus Christ. And really, when you think about it, this is what St. Paul is saying in this morning's epistle. He's talking about the touch of Christ through the body of Christ. The touch of Christ through the body of Christ. He said, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. It's time to close. Some would say it is far past the time to close. In today's colic, we ask God to stretch forth his right hand to help and defend us. To stretch out his hand to help and defend us. He is so ready to touch us. He has touched us. He is touching us. He will always touch us if we will just let him. By his spirit, he has touched us in our baptism, in our confirmation, and through his word. He's touched us often at his table through the holy communion of his body and blood. And he yearns to be in constant communion with us, to have us in tune or attuned to his loving heart and his holy will. Our Heavenly Father has manifested for this glory that we might live in hope and promise and thrive in the new life of his Son. His glory, his beauty, his truth and grace have come to you and me that we might be healed and transformed. This is the purpose of Christ's coming, to offer us salvation and eternal life. This is the good news we are called to share as the body of Christ. Let's share it. Let us let his light shine, that others may feel the Savior's touch. The touch of Christ through the body of Christ. Now unto God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, be ascribed all might, majesty, dominion, power, honor, and glory, as is most justly due, henceforth and forevermore. Amen. Amen.